God, we thank you that you are a God of compassion, of kindness, and a God who accepts us for who we are. We also thank you that you are a God who works through real situations of sadness and joy. And we pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we listen today to your word. Thank you that you speak to us today. Amen. So I, didn't know, I don't know if you knew that the Bible contains within it what, just, what is basically a chick flick. I'm looking straight at you, Elliot. <laughs> so, but let me tell you a story. It's also a little bit like a fairy story because so much happens in it and we don't know a huge amount about a huge amount of biographical information about the people. But it's about a lady called Naomi. And the name Naomi means pleasant. She and her husband Elimelech and their two sons Marlon and Kilion had to move from their home in Bethlehem in Judah because there was a terrible famine. It was the time of the judges and things had gone from bad to worse. I mean, some of the, actually, only one of those judges was out and out good. The rest of them just messed up over and over again. And there was famine. And so they decided they were going to have to leave. They were refugees. They went to a place called Moab, which would have been very, very difficult for them as Israelites because the Moabites did not worship Jehovah. They worshipped their own gods, and they sacrificed in their own ways, which would have been absolutely repulsive for Naomi and Elimelech. But they needed to eat. They needed to live somewhere, so they settled there. And their sons got married to Moabite women. They got married to Ruth and Orpah. And I never remember who got married to who, so I'm not going to even pretend. Um, so... Naomi was happy enough, but then her husband died. She was left a widow, but she had her two sons. Surely her two sons would provide her with um, sons and daughters, and then she would be cared for in her old age like she deserved. But no, even worse. The, the boys were married for 10 years, and there were no sons or daughters, and then they both died. We don't know how, but they died at the same time. So Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah were left in the country of Moab as widows, which would have been an incredibly difficult, dangerous situation for them in those days. Women on their own with no protection from men. They would have been scared to even step foot outside of their house. Strangers in a strange land, at least Naomi was. So she heard on the grapevine that um, things in Israel were getting a little bit better and there was food. So she decided to go home, back to Bethlehem, on her own. But her two daughters-in-law said to her, we want to come with you. Don't stop us. We, we're your daughters now. We're family. Um, Naomi said to them, there is no point in you coming back to Israel with me. You'll just be foreigners. We'll all be widows together. It'll be a nightmare. I don't really want you to come. Go back home to your mothers and find new husbands 
and just get on with your lives. Forget I ever existed. Naomi was not feeling that pleasant. And it does seem like she was a little bit grumpy with her daughters-in-law. But So Orpah decided to do the sensible thing. She's, she went home. And we don't hear anything else about her. But Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Don't do this to me. Don't send me away. I love you. I want to go with you. I want to go where you go. I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. I even want to be buried in the same place where you're buried. Not even death is going to separate us. Now, how's that for commitment from a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law? And it seems as though in the translations of the Bible that I've read, Naomi basically said to her, whatever. So, so they went back to Bethlehem together. And Naomi's family, or Elimelech, did have some property in Bethlehem, so they had somewhere to live. And there was a field. But in those days, as I said, if you were, if you're a widow, you really needed somebody to look after you. You couldn't really do anything for yourself. So in the tribes of Israel, they had this thing called a kinsman redeemer or some kind of, yeah, some kind of redeemer, I think you could define it as. And it was somebody in your family who was close to you who would take care of you. And Naomi knew that there was somebody named Boaz in Bethlehem who was one of her kinsman redeemers. And Boaz has an interesting history. You should look it up sometime. Don't have enough time to go into it here. But uh, it's very interesting how God used all of these people with interesting history together. So they were in Naomi and, and um, Ruth in Bethlehem together. They didn't have very much at all. They didn't have any means to live. They o- only had the food that people gave to them. And remember how difficult it is for un- young widows to even leave the house without risk to themselves. Ruth decides one day, this is so bad, I'm going to have to go out and glean in the fields. Now at that time, there was another rule, another law in Jewish life, that anybody who had land and grew crops in the land had to leave the bits around the edge of the field unharvested for people who really needed it. Not people who wanted to make a few extra, extra shekels, people who actually needed to make bread out of it. And they would also leave, not be too careful about put, putting everything in sheaves. So people could come along and pick off the ground what was left. It was a bit like taxation, but very, yeah, very much at the point of contact. And so Ruth decided to go out and find a field where she could do this. And can you imagine whose field she found? Oh, yes. It was Boaz. She didn't know at that time, but um, they let her get to work, and she was a good worker, so she she, um, did her stuff. And then Boaz turned up, and a little aside here, I have to assume that Ruth was a bit of a looker, because people did notice her wherever she went. And I don't think it was just because she was a woman of good character, which she was. But okay, Boaz comes to his field talks to his foreman, and the first thing he says is, who's that woman? Okay, all right, whatever, Boaz. But, um, well, I don't exactly know what his motivation was. 
Um, and the foreman said, that is Ruth. She's from Moab. She's the woman who came and, and is looking after her mother-in-law. And so Boaz called her over and he said, peace be upon you, the peace of the Lord. You have shown such kindness to your mother-in-law that I am going to show kindness to you. And I want God to bless you even more than you can even imagine. And so he even shared his lunch with her. And he shared so much of his lunch with her that she had leftovers that she could take back to her mother-in-law. And then he said after lunch to his foreman, make sure that some of the extra good barley just falls out of the sheaves so she can pick it up. At the end of the day, Ruth had so much barley that she could hardly carry it. It, She would have probably had to pay extra for it if she went on an airplane. It was that much. And she went home to Naomi. Naomi, who had told people, don't call me Naomi anymore because that means pleasant. Call me Mara, because that means bitter. This bitter lady who had complained about God, but not to him, she suddenly turns around and her eyes start lighting up. She says, whose field did he go to to get this much wheat? And when Ruth told her it was Boaz, oh my goodness, all the mother-in-law instincts just kicked in. Amazing. Amazing. She was so happy. And she said, Ruth, you have to just stay in that field. He is a good man. He'll make sure nobody does anything to you. So that's what Ruth did. She carried on gleaning in that field. And they had enough to eat, some leftover. They could even bless other people around them. This was going okay. But in the way of things, Naomi starts thinking, Ruth needs to get married. So she says to her, right, we need to do something about this. You need to get yourself sorted out. You need a husband. You need to carry on your life. And I need some grandchildren. So, just seriously, it gets worse. I mean, can you, those of you who know this story, I mean, really. Naomi says to Ruth, do you trust me? Ruth's like, "Uh, do you trust me? Okay, tell me first and then I'll tell you if I trust you. So Naomi said, you have to have a bath. That's a bit cheeky. Yeah, you smell from all your work in the fields. Have a bath, make yourself look amazing. Put your best clothes on. Ruth's like, right, okay. And then you really need to trust me on this. I'm going to need to get, ask you to do something. Right. I'm going to need to ask you to go to the threshing floor where they are threshing all of that barley that you've been picking and they're having a big party because it's the end of all of the harvesting. They're going to have eaten and drunk quite a lot and then Boaz, I have heard, is um, going to be one of the people who will be looking after the barley crop overnight to make sure nobody steals it. Watch where he goes to sleep. Right. This is not sounding good. What, what are you expecting me to do? I've been gleaning in the fields for months for you, and now you're expecting... Is this just because I'm a foreigner? You think I'm a bit of a tart? No. Right. That was, that was me going off on one there. That's not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining what I would have thought if my mother-in-law asked me to do something like that. 
My, yeah. So, right, okay, Naomi, let's just imagine that I'm going to do this. What happens next? Right, you go up to Boaz, you lift up his blanket. Okay. And you get into bed with him on the ground, outside, surrounded by other people. Um, okay. And then he'll, he'll probably wake up and he'll tell you what to do. You don't even need any subcontext to that, do you? That's ridiculous. But you know, the most ridiculous thing is that Ruth did it. She waited until night and there was a big party going on. And there was a lot of eating and drinking. Boaz went and and slept at a a point of the big stack of barley or whatever it was, where not many people could see him, and um, passed out there. And then Ruth went and did what she'd been told to by Naomi. She picked up the edge of his blanket and crawled underneath it. And then in the middle of the night, Boaz woke up, as you do when you've had a lot to drink, and um, he... Found this woman by his feet, looking great, smelling great. Oh my goodness! Um, and he, he said, "Who are you?" Because it was dark. I said, "It's it's it's Ruth." And um, I've been told to tell you that you're my kinsman redeemer, and um, you can marry me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's in the Bible, really, it is. Um, But Boaz knew what this meant. And you know, like a lot of stories in the Bible, I'm sure there were things that happened that are not written down. Let's not think about those too much. But what Boaz did say to Ruth, and we know he said to Ruth, was this is such a kind thing you have done for me. Kind. You could have chosen any man you wanted, he said, but you chose me. So I'm going to show kindness to you again. And he showed his kindness with grain, which is pretty much what Boaz liked to do. Instead of of other gifts, what he had there was barley. So he, he filled up Ruth's big scarf that she was wearing with barley and she took it home to her mother-in-law because again he knew the importance of gifts to the mother-in-law so (laughs) remember this everybody um when Naomi saw this she was so happy and she said to Ruth this is a wonderful thing that he's done and he is going to be sorting this out straight away I can tell just from what you've told me and he did So the next day, the very next day, in the morning, Boaz went to the town square, which was where all of the um, business happened, where people were sitting around drinking. I I don't know if they drank coffee at that. Anyway, whatever. Um, Boaz had told Ruth the night before that there was somebody else who was actually a closer kinsman than he was. So he was going to have to ask him first and see what happened. Um, so he went up to this guy. We'll call him Fred. He said, Fred, so Naomi has this field she wants to sell the rights to. And Fred is very, very interested about this. Yes, he would love to buy the field. But Fred, I have to tell you 
that this field comes with um, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Ah, my wife would be less happy with that. We've, we've had conversations about the second wife. She's not, she's not so sure about it. And, of course, because he was the kinsman redeemer in those days, one of, one of his duties, his sacred duties, would have been to have children with Ruth. So, her, so Elimelech's line did not die out. Um, and he really didn't want that because that would have messed up his family line. Anyway, Boaz marries Ruth, the outsider, the kind, compassionate woman. And then they have a son called Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. So King David's great-great-grandma, is that right? Was a Moabite woman. And Boaz has some interesting history as well, as you will learn if you, if you look it up. God works through such situations, such difficult situations. It seemed almost impossible when Naomi and her two sisters and, and her two daughters-in-law were in Moab on their own. All of the men in their life dead, no children. Impossible. And then it seemed pretty impossible when they were back in Israel, having to pick up bits of grain that nobody else wanted. But God worked through this. And Ruth, we don't know much about her faith. She doesn't talk about God particularly. But what she did do right at the beginning when she decided she was coming with, Ruth, with um, Naomi was she said, I want to be part of your people. I want your God to be my God. She had taken that upon herself. What a thing. Out of an impossible situation, we get the line of David the best king that Israel ever had, apart from the one we know. God works through even chick flicks. It, it's a wonderful story. It's well worth, well worth a read. Um, and it's really interesting how it's sandwiched between two incredibly hardcore books. So we've got judges before it, and then it goes on to... Um, to kings afterwards. Is it Samuel afterwards or King? Samuel. All the, um, the history of Israel. This incredibly personal story in all of that big stuff. Because that is how God works through us. Which is why we decided that this was an important story to tell. And you know what? It may, it may seem like an impossibility for, for anybody to get up and tell a story with no notes, but I, it is. It's a, a wonderful thing to do. It, um, and it, it, there's no secret about it. Um, and many of you who are in home groups are, are looking at some of these stories and maybe even looking at what stories of the Bible you would like to tell other people. There's no secret about this at all. The way I learned this was that I opened the Bible, read out the whole story of Ruth out loud, closed the Bible, and then said as much as I possibly could. And then I did that again a few times, and that's, that's how you do it. And especially if it's a story you love, because I love this story, it is a story that will just shine out. 
And we, God works through stories. Our Bible is full of them. And um, I, would, I would really encourage you to have a think about which kind of stories from the Bible you would like to learn and you would like to tell. Because our individual stories and the stories of God working through history is one of the best ways to tell people about God. Amen.